0: Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, HopeChurchOnline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, Thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please, let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. How many of you have ever heard of a woman by the name of Sarah Pierpont? Anybody in the building ever heard of Sarah Pierpont? Be careful if you raise your hand, I may call on you. Sarah Pierpont. Most people have never heard of Sarah. But most people would have heard of her husband. In July of 1727, she married a young preacher who was named Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was one of the chief instruments that God used to bring about what is called The Great Awakening. If you are a student of God's activity in the world, you have studied the history of the Great Awakening that took place in the 1730s and 1740s in the United States of America. Actually, it wasn't even the United States in, it was in the American colonies. And it was a movement of God that swept through the American colonies that really shaped the faith culture, and what we would become as the United States of America. And Jonathan Edwards was mightily used of God as a chief instrument, along with some others by the name of George Whitefield and others, that God used to bring this great awakening, this sweeping revival. And Jonathan Edwards preached almost every day during this period of years where God was just moving in an unusual way, and because of that, Sarah Pierpont Edwards, his wife, she was called to live a life of incredible sacrificial generosity. Her support of her husband and that calling that was on his life in that season of God's supernatural activity and her sacrificial generosity that poured into their 11 children. That 11 children. And so... In the midst of what God was doing, she had this role of sacrificial generosity. And she knew, she knew in her heart that her sacrificial investment in her children would outlive her. But there's no way she could have ever imagined to the degree that it would outlive her. As a matter of fact, there was a man in the year 1900 whose name was A.E. Winship. If you are an educator, you may know the name A.E. Winship. He was one of the pioneer founders of the American educational system. He studied the legacy of the Edwards family from Jonathan and Sarah's generation forward in 1900. So it had been about 160 years since they lived. And I want you to listen to the impact of their marriage and specifically Sarah's investment in her children. Listen to the impact. Out of their family came 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 100 lawyers and a dean of a law school, 30 judges, 66 doctors and the dean of a medical school, Eighty of their descendants held public office, including three United States senators, three mayors of large cities, three governors, one vice president of the United States, and one controller of the United States treasury. Their members of their family authored 135 classic books, they edited 18 journals, and they sent out 186 pastors and missionaries serving all over the world. I would submit to you that the sacrificial generosity and investment of Sarah Pierpont greatly outlived her life. So let me just say to you, Mom, on those days when you think it's not making a difference, the generations to come will reveal the difference. And here's really the the life lesson from Sarah Pierpont. Sacrificial generosity leaves a legacy that impacts generations to come. Amen. Amen. Didn't expect that, but amen. For the past few weeks, we have been talking to you about an opportunity to live out sacrificial generosity. For the last several weekends at Hope, if you are a guest today, you have joined us right in the middle of something that we are on a journey as a fellowship. And it really goes back about 18 months. We have been as a church seeking the Lord about what's next for us, what the next 10, 15, 20 years as a fellowship looks like for us. Our pastors, our stewardship team, our staff team, many of our key volunteer leaders, we've been seeking the Lord. And so as you step in this morning, you're stepping in right in the middle of a wave of us seeking God's face for months and months and months. But for the last two or three weekends, we've been sharing with you what we believe God's spoken into our heart about what's next for us as a church. And we've simply called it Next, Hope, for generations to come. Believing that what God is doing right now, what God is inviting us into right now, just like Sarah Pierpont's life, is going to impact generations to come long after we're off the scene. And we've unpacked this for you with three different components. We talked about the next step, the next chapter, and the next generation. The next step is us responding to God's blessing our church. God is growing our fellowship. Just look around you this morning. There are more people. God is leading people to Christ. God is discipling people through our fellowship. And so we want to respond to that and take the next step of expanding our facilities here to accommodate the growth that God is sending us, which we believe then is going to fuel the next chapter, this next wave of God's activity for the next 10 to 15 years. And we've been wrestling with this question about the next chapter. What's going to be different in Las Vegas, the West, and the world because God birthed Hope Church? It's more than just a place for us to come worship on the weekends. God birthed our church to expand the kingdom of God in our city, in our region, and in the world. And we've been hearing from the Lord about some things specifically in our city, like engaging in foster care and coming alongside those trapped in human trafficking and trying to rescue them through the power of the gospel and engaging in the educational community. We've been talking about things in the Western United States, like asking God to give us 1% of the West, over 750,000 people through a church multiplication movement that will multiply over 3000 churches in the next 15 years. We've been asking God to touch the world, that through our platform right here at Hope, that the ends of the earth, unreached peoples and unreached places will be penetrated with the gospel. And we've been hearing from the Lord about this idea of the next generation, that it's bigger than our lifetimes, not just bigger than our church and our city, it's it's bigger than our lifetime. We, We had a bunch of families up here in both services lying all the way across the stage, All those little boys and girls that they're holding. You know what those little boys and girls potentially are? They're the next generation. They're up here crying and joking and looking all cute and cuddly right now. But they're going to be the trailblazers that God is raising up in this culture that is going to take the kingdom of God to places that it's never been before because we're laying a foundation and we're digging the tracks that they're going to be able to run in. Some of these very boys and girls that we were just celebrating and ooh and on about, they're going to be the ones that God uses to finish maybe the mission that he established in his word. So next chapter, next step. Next generation. And we've asked the question, how are we going to see all this happen? And we answered it really simply with the word together. Together, as we as a family of faith hear from God, respond in obedience, accept God's call, in the power of the Holy Spirit, He's going to work in and through us. So here's what we've been doing for the last 21 days. Actually, we're on day, I think, 14 or 15 today. 21 days gets us all the way to next Sunday. We've asked you to take 21 days and seek the face of God about your personal investment and involvement in what we believe is next for us as a church. Next Sunday, we're having what we're calling Pledge Sunday, May 21st. Our goal for this that we're we're seeking God for is $9.5 million dollars. As you leave today, you're going to be given some materials that are going to help you pray through and process all that God is wanting to speak into your life. And here's what I'm asking you to do this week. As we move towards next Sunday, I'm asking you to simply hear from the Lord, seek His face, and then do what He says. No pressure beyond that at all. But, but when I look at this, here's what, what hits me. We won't get here without sacrificial generosity. I know many of you, like my family, are praying about what the Lord would have you to do. And My family is at a place where we are praying about the biggest and most significant sacrificial financial gift of our lives. Because we believe this is a moment for us to respond to what God's doing in and through Hope Church. And as I was Talking to my wife and we were praying about this. This week I I read something in a little book by a man named Andrew Murray that resonated with me. So I wanted to share it with you. Here's what Andrew Murray said. He said, It has been well said that the Lord measures our gifts not according to what we give but according to what we retain. So many people have given only what they could never miss and what cost them little. Or no sacrifice. And when I read that this week, it resonated with me <laughs> as my wife and I and our family are seeking the Lord about this. God, is what we're ready to do. God, is it, am I ready to really sacrifice for the sake of your kingdom? Somebody might say, well, Pastor, does, does the Bible really teach this kind of sacrificial generosity? Well, as a matter of fact, the Bible has a lot to say about giving and generosity, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And at Hope, here's what we've discovered, that you can really take everything the Bible says about generosity and you can boil it down to two statements. Here's the first one. Always a portion. Say that out loud with me. Always a portion. Let's read. I'll just read it for you. It says, joyful obedience that always leads me to give first to the Lord out of what he provides for me. That's always a portion. The Bible teaches us from Genesis all the way through the New Testament that as believers, every time we receive, every time there's a source of revenue and income in our lives, as believers in worship of God, we're always to give a portion of what He's given to us. It's not something we even have to pray about, right? Because it's in the Scripture that we, in an act of obedience, are to always give a portion. Because if we did pray about it, you know what He'd say? Read the book. It's in the book. Let me show you an example. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, honor the Lord from your wealth. And from the first of all your produce, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The scripture says that we honor the Lord when out of everything he entrusts to us, we always give a portion to him. It's what we do here at Hope every weekend. The reason we receive an offering is it gives all of us an opportunity, myself included, to honor the Lord and say, Lord, everything I have, I have because of you. And in honor of you today... I always give a portion of that back to Him. But here's where we've drifted in this thing of stewardship. We think always giving a portion is sacrifice. And that shows you how far we've come in biblical stewardship. We think always giving a portion is making a sacrifice. But that's just obedience. It's just obeying the Lord and giving back to Him out of what He's given to us. Then secondly, there's not just always a portion. There's sometimes A sacrifice. Say that out loud. Sometimes a sacrifice. Here's what that is. It's spirit-led generosity that occasionally calls me to give more than I think I can to get in on what God is doing in the moment. As you and I walk with Jesus, there are going to be moments where the Holy Spirit of God makes known to us What God is doing. He's going to show us God at work. And he's going to invite us to get in on it by sacrificing something we value and joining in his activity through generosity. Can I tell you what I believe personally? What my family believes? We believe this next campaign is one of those moments. I believe God has clearly spoken into the life of our church. I think most of you are super excited because I've heard from you in one-on-one gatherings and envision dinners and at services how excited you are about what God has spoken into our fellowship where God is leading us over these next 10 to 15 years. Here's what's happened. The Holy Spirit of God has shown us where God is going to be at work and now here's what he's doing. He's inviting us to get in on it It's not an always, but sometimes he invites us in moments to sacrifice something we value and join in what he's doing. Let me give you a Bible example of this. If you got your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 4. We're going to read this morning in verse 32. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 32. Now, we've been for the last few weekends, all the way back to Easter, reading some texts of Scripture out of these first few chapters of the book of Acts, unpacking some truths in the early church. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32, listen what it says. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Now stop right there. That's a miracle in and of itself. Amen? Did you hear what it just said? And the congregation, that means the church, all of them, were of one heart and soul. That little word one means the same. Here's what that means. Everybody in the church was on the same page. Everybody in the church had wrapped their hearts around the same things. I don't know how many churches you've ever been a part of in your lifetime, but that is a miraculous statement. Amen? All one heart and soul. Look what it says. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. For there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales. And lay them at the apostles feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Now Joseph... A Levite of Cyprian birth who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, apostles, which translated means son of encouragement, and who owned a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, before I unpack some truths out of those verses, let me clear one thing up right out of the gate. What we just read in the Bible is not communal living, all right? It's not what we're talking about where we all sell everything we have, put it in one pot, and all live out of the same budget together. It's not what this is talking about. If that was what it was talking about... Why would the testimony of Barnabas be anything significant? If everybody had already done it, why mention one person? Here's the point. These people had all reached a place in their heart where they recognized everything they had ultimately belonged to the Lord. And should the Spirit lead them in a given moment, they were ready to sacrifice anything and everything for the advancement of God's kingdom. that makes sense, say amen. All right, so let me give you three principles out of these verses about sacrificial giving. Here's the first one. Sacrificial giving begins with a right heart attitude towards God that leads to a right view of things. Notice in the text as we read it, it said they were of one heart and soul. Before it said anything about sacrificial generosity. Here's the point. Before there was an outward sacrifice, an inward transformation had already taken place. There was a heart change that had happened. They didn't give in order to bring about change because of a change on the inside they Gave. Jesus had begun to change their heart. And one of the ways he changed their heart was their perspective towards material things and possessions. And I'm just telling you, if we need a revival in the church in America, we need a revival around that principle. As a matter of fact, we've drifted so far in the church in America, we almost equate God's blessing with Material possessions and gain. And let me just tell you, that is only an American gospel. And only an American gospel is not a biblical gospel. And it's time we get back to preaching the gospel of the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach us that health, wealth, and prosperity goes with the gospel. The gospel teaches us that we're to die to ourselves and trust God. And when we do that, we can trust God to provide, but it's not going to look like what you see on television or read on some of these fancy, in some of these fancy books. It's just not. As a matter of fact, that gospel won't preach in other parts of the world where people are living on $2 a week. It won't preach there. We need an awakening in the American church where we begin to live more for the world that is to come than the world that we're in. Where we loosen our grip on the things that ultimately belong to Him anyway. It's not our stuff, right? Doesn't belong to us. It's not ours. Let me tell you two areas where this group of people had begun to have their heart changed. First of all, Christ had begun to change them, and one of the expressions of that is they had a radical love for each other. Jesus calls us to love one another even more important than ourselves, right? That's the the, the scriptural teaching about how we're to love one another, we're to put others' needs and desires. That's exactly what these people were doing. They loved one another, and they wanted to be sure that if God had entrusted anything to them that could be used in meeting the need of a brother or sister in Christ, they wanted to have their yes on the table. Here's the second way their heart had begun to change. They were leveraging everything they had for the mission. They understood that their job, their skill, their passion, their resources, their finances... Everything God had given them had been given to them to be leveraged for the expansion of God's kingdom. And because of what Christ had done in them, there was a willingness to sacrifice generously. John MacArthur said it this way. I love this quote. Look on the screen. He said, a practical test of a Christian's love, love for other people, love for the mission, is how much he or she is willing to sacrifice Financially. And that makes sense because it's the same thing Jesus said. He talked about the connection between our treasure and our heart, right? It's an examination period for us. And so let me give you a couple of practical takeaways about this. Number one generosity is about my heart, not about my things. People immediately, when you talk about generosity, they start thinking about material possessions and things, but it's really a heart issue. This campaign that we're in together as a church really is an opportunity for us to all examine our heart. And a clear principle of Scripture is that God is not impressed by the amount of money that we give. Did you hear that? That means this. There's not anybody that can write a check and God goes, hey, did you see that? What? 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 No, God's not impressed by an amount of money. What moves the heart of God is our heart attitude in how we give. As a matter of fact, God doesn't need our money. Let me prove it to you. Look at Psalm chapter 50 and verse 10. Look what it says. For every beast of the forest is, say that loud, mine. God says, it's all mine. I know, he said, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird on the mountains and everything that moves in the field. It's mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the, what, world is mine and all. Here's what God said. You take all of the universe, all of the solar system, you make that a box. And everything inside the box, let me tell you whose it is. It's mine. It's mine. It all belongs to him. Well, if it all belongs to Him, why why are we talking about giving so much next weekend? (laughs) Let me tell you why. Because it reveals our heart. And because God in His infinite sovereignty has chosen to provide for His people through His people. God chose to work through us. But it's really about the heart. And that's one of the reasons that people get so upset. Almost every time I teach on this principle at Hope, I'll get an email or I'll get a comment. Somebody, they get upset when you talk about generosity and giving. And the reason is because it's a heart issue. Why should I be upset about what he wants to do with his stuff? You see, the reason I get upset is because I think it's my stuff. And now you're meddling, Pastor, because you're talking about my stuff. But the biblical reality is it's not your stuff and it's not my stuff. He said everything inside the box belongs to him. So why should I get all torqued out when he wants to do something with his stuff? It's his. Belongs to him. And so the reality is this is, this is a heart issue. And my favorite story in the Bible that illustrates this. I tell this story about 90% of the time when I'm, when I'm teaching on this subject, but, but over in the Gospel of Mark, my favorite story in the Bible that reveals this heart issue is in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Turn over to Mark chapter 12, or look at it on the screen. Listen to what it says. It says, And he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. In the, in the Jewish synagogue. They didn't give the way that we give. We we had just a moment ago, we passed an offering basket, right? We we passed an offering plate around. I'm going to sit over on this side. We passed an offering plate around, and, and that offering basket went around, and people gave. But in the Jewish synagogue, they had one big offering basket down front. And at a point in the service, it was very reverential, everybody would file by the offering basket and put their offering in the basket. So look what it says. And Jesus sat down opposite the church. So here's what happened. Jesus pulls up a chair at the box. Everybody lined up. And look what it says next. And began observing. The word observe comes from the Greek word theoreo, which we get our English word theater from. It's a word that means to gaze with intent, to observe closely. So here's Jesus sitting at the box, gazing intently, and what's he looking at? What? Look at it. How the people were putting money into the treasury. Get this there's a line of people, Jesus at the box. You imagine how our offering would have been different this morning if I just followed the basket around. <laughs> That's literally what he's doing. He's sitting at the box. You think I'm making it up? But I'm just reading it. Look at the rest of it. Look what it says next. And many rich people were putting in large sums. I guess so. Jesus is at the box. I imagine a guy three deep in the lines going, honey, what do you got in the bag? Give me all of it. Give me your rings. Give me your jewelry. Jesus is at the box. And they get up there and they're just dumping it all in, taking his shirt off, putting his <laughs> turban in them, everything. Look what it says next. Then a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him. Don't miss this. There's this reverent, quiet, kind of like right now, it's quiet. Everybody's falling by the box. Everybody's nervous. People sweating. Jesus sitting there. They're putting everything they got in the box. Nobody's saying a word. And then this little lady drops in two little coins. And the Bible says Jesus went, Peter! James, John, come here! You have got to see this. And the Bible says he called them to himself, and he said to them, and I believe he did it with his arm around this little widow. Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury, for they all put in out of their surplus. But she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. All these rich people coming, dropping in their large sums. It doesn't move Jesus an ounce. And here comes this little lady with her two little coins. That's all she got. And a heart of sacrificial generosity and worship. And it moved the heart of God. Generosity is not about money. It's not about things. It's about the heart. Here's the second reality. When, when, when my heart is right, my things are surrendered. Did you hear what it said? They all had one heart and mind. Well, all had one heart and soul. And not one of them said, no, it's mine. No, said not one of them claimed anything belonging to themselves. They all acknowledged that it belonged to the Lord. I want you to do something with me this morning. I want you to put your hands out and just hold them open like this. And I want you to imagine that everything you got, all of it's in your hands. And here's what I want you to say out loud. All right? I want you to say it after me. You just, I'll say it, then you repeat it. It all belongs to Him. him. I want you to hear what you just said. It all belongs to Him. Now here's the second statement. He's entrusted some to me. Say it. So it all belongs to Him, but He's put some of it in your hands. Now here's the last phrase. What he's entrusted to me, I'm to use for him. Say that. When my heart, you can put your hands down. I can see some of you starting to struggle. <laughs> Go to the gym, right? exercise. <laughs> Here's the point. It's all his. He's entrusted some to me. But what he's entrusted to me, I'm to use for him. When my heart gets right, here's what happens. My things get surrendered. It's his. It's his. Here's the second principle I want you to see this morning sacrificial giving is motivated by the needs of the moment. It's motivated by the needs of the moment. Hear this sacrificial giving is not an always, it's always a portion. Always a portion. Sometimes, sometimes God calls us to sacrifice. If you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, you've had a point in your life where you've sensed God speaking into your heart about sacrificing something. Not everybody got that word, but you got it. It was specific. It was to you, sometimes, the word that's used here in the text in Acts chapter 4, it's used twice as the word need or needy. And it speaks to something that is lacking. Sacrificial generosity is prompted by the Holy Spirit in response to the need of the moment. It's not always, but it is sometimes. And I believe we're in one of those sometimes moments where God is calling us as a fellowship to sacrifice. I heard a uh, story from a friend of mine whose name is Kun Skoltz. Kun and his wife, Saria, are South Africans who have lived most of their adult life in the country of Zambia. And they moved to Zambia to be about raising up indigenous peoples who could move around the continent of Africa and take the gospel where it had never been before. And I don't know a family that more epitomizes sacrificial generosity than Kun and Saria. They've adopted about 17 children. They have 19 children total, but 17, 18 of them they've adopted off the streets of Zambia, most of them with special needs, difficult situations and circumstances, and just come around them in an unbelievable way. But they've given their lives to this ministry. And up in northern Zambia, one of the places where Kun works, he told me a story about a young man who'd been exposed to the training And he sensed God calling him to leave northern Zambia to go to what he considered to be the remotest part of the earth. Now, i got to be honest with you. I've been to northern Zambia. I thought it was the remotest part of the earth. It's a 15-hour drive from the closest airport. 15 hours north, you get up to Lake Tanganyika, which looks like an ocean. And across Lake Tanganyika is a neighboring country known as Tanzania. And along the coastline of Lake Tanganyika, there are villages all over Tanzania that, get this, have never heard the name of Jesus. They've never been exposed to the gospel ever before. And this young man in northern Zambia felt a call of God to go to Tanzania and go village to village and preach the gospel. And so his local church there in northern Zambia reached out to a missions organization and said, we want to send him, what do we need to do? They said, well, you got to get the government paperwork, visas and passports and all that kind of stuff, and that's going to cost $600 in the U.S. Now, $600 don't sound like a bunch of money to us, but in Zambia, the kwacha is what they use. That's their dollar. 600 U.S. dollars is $3 million kwacha. The average offering in this little church that was sending him was two American dollars and 25 cents a week or 12,000 kwacha, and what they needed to raise was three million kwacha. so they thanked the mission organization hung up the phone (coughs) went to work called the mission organization back two weeks later said we've raised the money Mission organization wait, wait I don't think you understood. We didn't say 600 kwacha, we said $600, that's 3 million kwacha. They said, yep, we got it. He said, well, I don't mean to insult you, but (laughs) how? How did you do that? And here's what they said. They said, well, we're mostly farmers. And we stockpile all of our agricultural needs to carry us through the winter season. And we're prepared to eat three meals a day. But he said, we recognize that we can live on two. So we took all the excess food to market and we sold it. And they said, we all have at least three shirts and we realize we can live on two, one for every other day while you're washing the other one. And so we all took the extra clothing that we had to market and we sold it. And we've raised the three million kwacha to send this young man to Tanzania. And as we sit here today, According to Kuhn, that young man is now still, to this day, years into it, traveling the coastline of Tanzania, taking the message of the gospel and planting churches to peoples that had never heard the gospel before. Sacrificial (laughs) generosity. I tell you that story because I want you to hear the reality in it. They responded to the need of the moment. God didn't always call them to sell off a meal a day for a year. God didn't always call him to that, but in that season he did. Sometimes a sacrifice. You say, well how do I how do I hear from the Lord in my own family about this? How do I hear from the Lord as an individual? Because I recognize that some of you are making the most specific financial request that you ever laid before the Lord? How do you do that? Well, let me give you three questions that have really helped my family as we've prayed through this, all right? Here are three questions. Here's the first one. You sit down as an individual or as a family. You get out your budget. You say, what do we think we can do? It's the budget question. What do we think we could do? But then you ask a second question. On top of what we think we could do, what are we willing to sacrifice? What could I give of value? And then here's the third question. This is the trust question. We've got the budget question, the sacrifice question. This is the real faith question. What would we love to see God do through us? And here's what's going to happen. As you sit down before the Lord, and when you leave today, we're going to give you a packet of information. And one of the things in that packet is a little, what we're calling a little giving exercise. It kind of takes these three questions. It gives you some scripture and helps you walk through this as an individual or as a family. Here's what's going to happen for most of you. As you pray through this, as I pray through this, somewhere between this question and this question, we're going to find our answer. Somewhere between this question and this question is where we're going to find our answer. But that gives us a framework to begin to pray through this before the Lord. But I want to encourage you with this. Here's a life changing reality. As we live generously, we invite the generosity of our Father into our lives. Here's what I've learned in 25 years of marriage and <laughs> being a leader of my family you cannot outgive God. Every time God has spoken into my life and led me to a moment of sacrifice, He is faithful. I want you to hear the testimony of a man in our church and how God's been faithful to him. Watch this video.
1: I started coming to Hope in 2004. Just an average guy in construction, and this is where I came to Christ. Uh, In 2010, uh, my family and I were blessed when I got laid off because God radically changed my life. On the surface, everything was falling apart, but God had it all in his hands and he had it all under control. Uh, Drew me and my family closer to him as a result of uh, a difficult time in the economy. At that time, we were going to uh, Hope Church at Silverado High School, and we were entering a campaign called The Big Journey which was to raise money to build this building that we're in now. That's when I was challenged to really put my trust in God that He would provide. And uh, because of the fact that I had lost my job and 50% of our income was removed from the family, I was really scared, like, I don't make any money and how am I gonna participate and, um, you know, tithe and give money towards this campaign. When we would sit down at the table and try to crunch numbers uh, to pay bills, uh, the math never added up, but we stepped out in faith and um, uh, we were obedient and God was faithful. Everything that God wanted me to hold on to, my home, some food in the refrigerator, that's what we got to keep. We lost the Harley, but you know, all was good. As we enter into a new campaign, there's people out there crunching numbers and uh, trying to figure out what they can contribute. The, the bottom line is we need to just trust God. If you don't allow God to work in your life in that way, you'll never see those miracles. I challenge everyone at Hope to just trust him and he will provide. I'm living proof of that.
0: Amen. Great testimony. So here's the last thing I'll I'll give you this morning. Sacrificial giving accompanies the accomplishing of God's mission. You see, as you and I respond to the Lord, as we hear from Him and we respond, that's how God accomplishes His mission in and through His people. And here's what I know everywhere in the world, you see God on the move accomplishing His mission. You dig into it deep enough, you're always going to find two things people crying out to God desperately in prayer, and number two, people sacrificially investing. In what God's doing. Everywhere in the world you see it. It happened 160 years ago. 160 years ago there was a church in North Georgia called First Baptist Woodstock. That started as a brand new church. Some people came together. They prayed. They sacrificed generously. 140 years later they sent us out here to start Hope Church. You know what this is? This is our moment. This is our moment when we're going to be able to look back from eternity. See 160 years back. When we together sought God in desperate prayer, sacrificed generously, and saw God accomplish His mission. Let's pray together today. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, God, that You give us in Your Word so much instruction. Lord, that You don't just leave us to figure things out, but You speak to us through Your Word. God, I pray in the stillness of this moment that You'd begin to speak to Your people today. As you sit there before the Lord this morning, either as an individual or with your family, I want to ask you right now to just pray something. If you're a part of the Hope family, if you're a guest, I'm going to talk to you in just a moment, but if you're a part of the Hope family, here's what I want you to ask the Lord right now. God, what do you want me to give as an investment in what's next? (laughs) <laughs> just ask Him right there in your own heart. God, what do you want me to do? While you're praying about that as a part of our family, let me talk to, if you're here today and you're a guest, I tried to tell you earlier, this is a, this is a very unique season for us as a church. If we don't, it's not what we're always doing here at Hope this is just a season after 16 years together where we feel like God's given us some direction about what the next 10 to 15 years looks like and so thank you for allowing us to just be a family this morning and and talk about some things inside our family we're honored that you're here we'd love to invite you to come back we're doing what we're doing really because we want to reach people just like you and maybe you're here and you're not even a Christian you don't know Jesus And you'd say, What what is all this about sacrificial generosity? What does it have to do with being a Christian? Can I tell you that's how we all got in on this? The heartbeat of the gospel is that we have a father who's sacrificially generous. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God so loved you and he so loved me that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his son Jesus to come into this world, to die on a cross for your sin and my sin but he didn't stay dead God raised him from the dead so that you and I could be forgiven and be given life not only in this life but in eternity and if you don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about today listen you can the Bible says everyone who believes in him will have eternal life you can put your faith in Jesus and you can be born again into a relationship with God you can be forgiven today we even have a couple of our pastors sitting up here at the front. We're not going to stand and sing in just a moment. We have a couple of our pastors sitting up here at the front. If, you want to, if you're a part of our family and you want to pray over something in your life, your job, your health, your family, you can come to one of these pastors right now while I'm talking. You can come pray with them. If you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, you can come to one of these pastors right now. Or when our service dismisses in just a moment, you can stop by either one of our guest centers. And I'd love to meet you back there and have someone sit down with you and show you how you could come to know Jesus. All you got to do is stop by. Say, hey, I need to talk to somebody. Church family, are you praying? Are you asking the Lord what He'd have you to do? Then here's what I want you to hear me say. All I'm asking you to do this week is seek Him and then obey what He says period no pressure no manipulation past that no obligation you seek the Lord you obey what he says and then we'll trust him God we thank you for what you're going to do we thank you for how you're going to move and we trust you Lord we trust you it's in the name of Jesus we pray All of us say together, amen.